and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing great. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Well, for the for the benefit of the listeners, I'm not going to go into my uh, you know my work woes. Okay. I'm, but I'm doing great because uh, I was uh, I was telling you off mic I was treated to a steak lunch at the Palm today, which okay. made me feel like a very important uh, and the, LA industry insider. And this was in the middle. Okay, so here's the thing: without going into detail about your work, uh, this was in the middle of your work day. Yeah. Nice so you went two to, hour lunch. You went okay, so two hour lunch, time to relax, everything's fine. But I fine. couldn't couldn't drink. That that actually depends on we've been taken taken to lunch by different I, I can't go into who right. this is. But yeah, people yeah. in my department get taken to lunch by different people. Depending on who's doing the taking, sometimes it's okay to okay. have a beer with lunch. I see. In this case it was not. But even so and that's the thing. I don't I don't drink so I don't I can't really relate to that. But what I can relate to is the idea of just allowing yourself to relax and enjoy it. I don't know if I would be able to allow myself to relax if I knew in one hour I gotta be back at work. I'm gonna be just working again. For the same reason, back when I worked for Blockbuster, if I had a, an evening shift, which for a while was what I preferred, if I had an evening shift, it ruined my whole day. Yeah. Because it's like, I can't let myself have too it's much fun today because i got to be at work. It's a good thing you got yourself out of that job. That Absolutely. Miserable. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the truth is, I, I, I say, like, oh, it was great being taken to the Palm, and it was. The food's good. The place has history. Um, but the two hours there is work mm-hmm. as well. You know, there is that yeah, aspect of it. Yeah. yeah, I guess that sort of thing. I mean... And then it's back to the construction site. Oh, no! <laughs> right, you said what I do. Oh, no. Uh, no, that's... Uh, and also, there's the fact that, again, not to get into what I do, but they're taking us to lunch because they want our business. So ah. that even though it is work, the it's pressure is kind of off situation. Me. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, anyway, that's not the point. It is uh, not the point. The point is that we have a sponsor that we have to get to because we also have a guest, and I don't yes. want to waste any more time. Indeed, yes. Although I'm sure, as always, I have to find out if our guest has ever been to the Palm. <laughs> that's. I feel like you could have brought that up before we start recording, <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, okay, all right, everybody, shut up and listen. Done. This episode is brought to you by Believe Me, opening in select cities and on demand September 26th. Sam was a typical college senior focused on keg stands, hookups, and graduation. But when a, surpri- when a surprise tuition bill threatens his dream of law school and leaves him thousands of dollars in the hole, he's forced to think outside the box. Convincing his three roommates they can make a killing ex- exploiting the gullible church crowd, the guys start a sham charity and begin campaigning across the country, raising funds for a cause as fake as their message. Starring Alex Russell from Chronicle, Christopher McDonald from Happy Gilmore, and Nick Offerman from Parks and Recreation, Believe Me, appears to be the first Christian film I'm actually excited about. Listeners know that I hate Christian films because they're <laughs> mostly terrible. Oh, I don't know why I said mostly. Uh, I guess I was qualifying there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, being a Christian myself, uh, I, part of me wants the Christian film industry to be good. Part of me acknowledges it will never be. But when I saw the trailer for this, I thought, I actually chuckled once or twice, and I was actually very excited for it. But anyway, uh, so okay, so it's called Believe Me. To find out more, just click on the sleazy-looking Christopher McDonald at BattleshipPretension.com. Um, and I, I, please do click. Yeah. If you want to find out, go through there, because that's how they know that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing uh, as, you know. As our sponsor, that's what they're. That's what they <laughs> yes, ask. That's what they ask for quick. us. There are naked pictures of Nick Offerman behind that. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's why. That's why Christopher McDonald is smiling like that. So, 
I so, like that Christopher McDonald. He's uh, pretty me good. Too. Uh, me too. Um, yeah, I wrote uh, part of a screenplay in film school about two guys trying to rip off the Make-A-Wish Foundation. That's or right. some sort of stand-in from the Make-A-Wish I Foundation. I remember that part script. Yeah, I wrote... It's not like I started... I wrote a series of scenes that I, eventually I was like, eventually I'll tie these together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that never happened. But yeah. uh, that's that. Let's introduce our guest. Absolutely. She's been saintly sitting there long enough... Uh, it's a, a very excited to have a first time guest and there's so much I want to talk about, about, uh, film and about Los Angeles and about the Palm. And I want to ask about the Palm cause that's a famous Los Angeles film industry place. Uh, so I want to, I want to waste no more time despite this long winded introduction bringing on David, the, you haven't asked me if I've been to the Palm <laughs> cause I know you haven't. Um, you would have told me, are you calling the, me poor? Uh, not at all. Okay. I want to introduce our guest. It's the arts and entertainment editor for LAS.com. Her name is Christine Ziemba. Hi, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for sitting still for four minutes and 54 seconds. No problem. I'm keeping my... You guys were very entertaining. Oh, oh that, we yes. hope so. Uh, I, I feel like you're being nice. Now, am I... Because you... Oh, wait. Uh, I, I have been to the Palm. Okay. I was I've been ask- to many a Palm. What? I've been to many a Palm. I think uh, the one you're talking about is in Beverly Hills... It's technically in West Hollywood, because it's oh. on that, that side of Doheny, but they are relocating to Beverly Hills after decades in this one one place. Yeah. Uh, but in, like, I think in, like, the 60s and 70s, it was, like, and into the 80s, it was, like, that was one of the steakhouse hangouts, like, Johnny Carson would eat there and all these people. And uh, now I think it's lost a little bit of its luster. I don't know. They're all Olive and Fig or something. But uh, I don't know. Is that, a, I think that's a restaurant, right? Fig and Olive? Fig and Olive. Fig and Olive. Um, or is it Olive and Fig? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I went to Denny's a few nights ago, <laughs> and they seem to be going strong. But, uh, oh, did you have the Grand Slam? Uh, no. I, M- I will over s- my hammy? Uh, no, I will sometimes build my own <laughs> I think slam. That's I have. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, I don't, I don't even remember. I, I, uh, I usually. I usually go with something of a custom order. So, <laughs> <laughs> I order stuff that isn't actually on the menu anymore. Oh, you do the secret menu at uh, Denny's. Well, the, they used to for... Uh, for like pancakes one, animal style? Exactly, yes, where they just put chili on it and stuff like that. No, uh, these days I will get a very special kind of French toast that was on the menu but not anymore, where you get French toast with a little cinnamon spread on it and uh, some cream cheese icing. I think if we keep this up long enough that we... Be, that you become a name, then that behavior goes from dickish to like quirky. Like you're like, you know. First that, off, I tip remarkably well. I'm very good. friendly that's to good. my server, whose name is Sophie, and I tip well when she's mistreated by other patrons, which she was the other night. And I tipped her very well, and I tipped her I, extra because of that. Because of that, that's yes. Nice. Because nice. she's she's probably not going to get a good, get a good tip from these people. This is a nice older Korean woman. Who is probably like in her sixties and uh, doesn't, doesn't have to, yeah doesn't have to deal with this shit, but me and my friends we're gonna treat her right. So you're like the Valley's version of uh, what's the guy from K Rock who goes to Denny's all the time, Rodney uh, Rodney Bingenheimer Bingenheimer Bingenheimer. Yeah. Oh boy, I don't know any of that. You go to the uh, I used to when I lived in the very close to the Denny's at the Gower Gulch. You know the Gower Gulch. I know. Oh yeah, right? I've been there one uh, Saturday mornings. Uh, and probably most mornings, but I would go often to Denny's on Saturday mornings. Roddy Bingenheimer was always there. That's his place. It has been since that was. Uh, you should see the Mayor of the Sunset Strip documentary. It's very good. I, it's, I've um, heard it was very good. But uh, this, I keep when back I mentioned to this idea. when I mentioned Denny's, it was not meant to be to start a conversation. Right. I was making a joke while our guest was saying but something. Here's the thing: I keep coming back to, uh, and I will. Yeah, we'll get back to the poem. But this is part of this. Um, I keep coming back to the these sort of recent sort of uh, L.A. history 
cultural landmarks because I think I'm projecting onto you, Christine, because you write for las.com i'm assuming that you're like i am some sort of los angeles file uh, or los angeles enthusiast like i am yeah actually um not too long ago i had a friend visit from boston her first time out here and so she wanted to see everything of los angeles in five days and uh-huh. so i had to do an itinerary of, of los angeles and on that itinerary of course we had to do all the touristy places that i would normally avoid, but because my dear friend was visiting from uh, from from Boston, I had to take her to the um, uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater, which is sure. now the T- TCL, TCL yeah. uh, Chinese Theater, and yeah. then um, take her to see the handprints, the footprints, the stars. But we had little watering hole stops along the way, so we stopped at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, and I said, the site of the first Oscars, and then... Later on, we worked our way down to uh, Musso and Frank yeah. and um, said, you know, there are many, uh, you know, famous, you know, Clark Gable, whomever else, you know, they have pictures along the walls yeah. of uh, the folks at Musso and Frank. I, I want to say that's the oldest, like, continually operating restaurant in Los Angeles. Is that right? I think so. It, or one of them, okay. you know. Um, there are a couple that vie for, like, the oldest. I'm not sure um, which one is, though. Um, but, okay, so I'm glad to hear that you are... Uh, uh, Los Angeles enthusiast like I am. Uh, and it gets me to, well, you know what? No, put a pin in that because I want to get to know you first before we start talking about Los Angeles stuff. So where are you from? Are you from Boston? Uh, actually, I was born in Boston. I was raised outside of uh, Philadelphia. So uh, East Coast transplant. Um, but I've been out here for 15, 20 years now. Um, okay. Bruins fan, Flyers fan, Kings fan. Are you a hockey fan at all? This, there's a segment, uh, there's a loose segment called Alienate Tyler by talking about sports that we do whenever we have a guest. And oh. clearly it's instinct because it happened right as I was checking my phone. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at this point, it's just muscle memory. I know at this point in the show, I should tune out. Yeah. I, actually, I don't like hockey, but um, I, I do like the Kings. My um, my in-laws own season t- oh. tickets, so um, they they go and I get invited and... I say, oh, you know, maybe take my brother. I mean, take my uh, take my husband or you know his brother because um, they know uh, I don't really enjoy the, it. The Kings uh, fandom. I mean, I guess two Stanley Cups in three years will do this, but like there are a lot more. King, I see a lot more Kings gear. I see a lot more Kings like stickers and car windows and that kind of stuff. Doesn't that, I that did. bother you? Doesn't it feel like people are just jumping on the bandwagon? Like. Fairweather well, fans and all I'm that? not really a Kings fan because I'm a Blues fan, but I have no hatred for the Kings, really. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I think um, I like um, any growth in the sport of hockey. Oh, all right. Okay. Fair enough. So, uh, okay, so you're from Boston. You went to – or you're, you grew up, grew up in Philadelphia. Outside of Philadelphia, about an hour from Philadelphia, a small town Scranton. called Reading, Pennsylvania. Okay. Reading? Shout okay. out to Reading. They, uh, they make good scrapple there? I don't know what they make out there anymore, okay. but uh, it's, here's a fun fact. It's halfway between um, Philadelphia and um, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or Lancaster, and what it was was when Witness was being filmed. Do you oh. remember that film uh, oh, yeah. with Harrison Ford? Um, I remember they shot parts of it in Philadelphia and, uh, you know, parts of it in Amish country, and so that was like the big claim, to f- that was big excitement when I was growing up with this film called Witness was... You know, in Amish country and in Philadelphia, so it was. It was <laughs> you know, we never get any that excitement. But you're not an extra in, uh, in witness or anything. Oh no, they don't really have. 
No. <laughs> they didn't throw a, a little beard on you? No. And just have you plowing the fields? No. No. Uh, where, did you go to college out there? Uh, yes, uh, Boston College. So, um, And then I went to uh, grad school at uh, Arizona State. So oh. slowly made my way out west. And how long have you been in Los Angeles? Ooh, about 15, 20 years maybe. I, oh, boy. I, yeah, so a long time. Uh, here's a question I like to ask people because uh, it gives me a chance to talk about uh, my own experience. Um, you literally how- just said, he, I like asking this question because I like my answer. Yeah, exactly. That's that's crazy. Or he likes talking about his answer. Exa- yeah. <laughs> talking about, yeah, his, yeah, talking about his life. Um, <laughs> so really but just- I like to get other people's opinions. How long did it take you to like Los Angeles? Oh, I liked Los Angeles from whence I got here. So that is fantastic. That is not the case with me, but that, I like hearing that. Yeah, I know a lot of people have a um, an adjustment to make um, when they move out to Los Angeles. But here's how it was: I was growing up in a you know relatively suburban small town in um, Pennsylvania, and when I was fourteen or fifteen, I subscribed to Los Angeles magazine just because I loved the uh, Southern California hmm. culture and lifestyle and you know I had this idea in my head of like you know people would surf all day and um, and some people do um, I have not surfed out here in you know fifteen twenty years <laughs> I've surfed out in Hawaii just not here mm-hmm. um, but no I and so when I got here it just felt right but uh, no I sub- I was a dork who subscribed to a a magazine about a city that I lived 3,000 miles away from. and uh, Yeah, that would probably be a recipe for, <laughs> yeah. like, or unless unless you get, dis- what if you showed up and you were like, this is nothing like yeah. what I expected it to be. <laughs> you, the- walk, you walk into Hollywood and you just think it's going to be movie stars yeah. and just yeah. glamour, and then yeah. you realize it's just nothing but tourist shops yeah. and, uh, and uh, uh, bacon-wrapped hot dog stands. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. I moved um, when I was in college. In Boston, I um, picked up sight on scene and I went to uh, Tempe, Arizona. Mm-hmm. In the mil- and I moved out there in the middle of the summer to go to grad school. And I got off the plane and I immediately said, I think I made a mistake. I think I want to go back. I don't really need to go to grad school. I could just find a job or something. <laughs> and um, it was so hot. I mean, I remember it was, I don't know, 100, 110 and I'm like, did I? What did I just do? So um, I, you know, stayed my year and a half. I worked on most of my master's degree, and then um, I, then I moved out here. Yeah. Now I forget Arizona. I assume that that's a dry heat, but that's not necessarily the case, right? Like there's there can be some humidity there, right? When there are monsoons and there's these huge rainstorms that come mm-hmm. out of nowhere and, you know, it just starts pouring. So a little bit, but mostly it's just freaking hot. Okay. And uh, But, you know, and the thing was is that when I first moved out there, I'd make fun of all the people that would be sitting outside in the cafes with the misters going on and they'd yeah. be drinking hot coffee. But then a year and a half later, yeah. I was one of those dorks sitting out yeah. under the misters drinking hot coffee. Just because I don't like iced coffee, I'll drink hot coffee anytime. So... Uh, yeah. yeah. That's how I was my first winter here. I was like, look at these people putting on, like, beanies and coats and stuff when it's 52 degrees. And the next winter, that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I think in... Oh, in, do you have your Uggs on, too? <laughs> <laughs> I never, uh, went, I never went that L.A. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that before, uh, that idea of, well, no, we're, we're not going to dress like that. Because, you know, I mean, you and I 
we both separately moved here from Chicago. Yeah, we've been through some cold. Yeah, winter's pretty rough. But uh, and for me, I embrace winter, even if it's only in the fifties. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to dress up a little bit. And it's partially because I look best when I'm more covered up. And so, (laughs) you know, gloves, a scarf, a nice hat, like a beanie or something like that. That's when I look best. So if I, all right, I can make this work in 52 degree weather or something like that. I might be sweating, but that's all right. Cause this, I got to look for the excuse. Well, uh, uh, I was I, I I had all these questions about Los Angeles, but you liked it right away. There's nothing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's you, fantastic. I think that's. I mean, I liked it from when I was, you know, high school. I yeah. mean, I was a high school dork. So and and I think that's uh, that's clearly that's the key to it is to want to come here. And I think far too many people come here, including myself. In retrospect, come here out of a sense of sort of, well, I guess if I want to be if I want to do X, Y, or Z. This is where I have to go. There's and a I, resignation involved. That's yeah, how and it in my case, me. it wasn't. It was like even that removed. I came out here with a girl, mm-hmm. you know, that I essentially came out because my girlfriend at the time, uh, who has since left Los Angeles, uh, wanted to come out. That's what made my decision, uh, and so I think that's why it took me uh, at least a year and a half to to like it here. But we were talking off mic uh, before we recorded about how I try to use public transit and ride my bike when I can, and I think that was a big part of me liking. Los Angeles is actually getting out there and being a part of it. But I still, I think there are so many people who never, never overcome that. And I think it's, it, it becomes, uh, it's less about the city and it's more about them. I think part of, there are so many people who come here from the East coast, Midwest or whatever. Uh, and I think it becomes a part of their identity that they don't like Los Angeles, mm. quote unquote, or that they, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is that, you know, oh, they don't know how to make good pizza or bagels or whatever, whatever they make, wherever the person yeah. is from. Oh, they don't know how to make it here. It's like, well, yeah, you're not at home anymore. You're now you're in the land of like tacos, you know, have have tacos. That's what we have here. First right. off, that's racist. Secondly, uh, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Kinane has a wonderful bit about about that like because he moved here from chicago so it's like oh how bad do they not know how to make a deep dish style pizza and it's it's a wonderful bit and he points out the one thing that 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 specific complaint that chicagoans make about deep dish pizza kyle points out that even when you live in chicago the only time you eat deep dish pizza is when someone comes from out of town (laughs) yeah not unlike not unlike christine you visiting these landmarks only when you have a friend in from out of town which reminds me here because you're the person to ask you've loved los angeles Almost your whole life, it sounds like, uh, or at least since you were a teenager. Yeah. Um, so when, you know, because, you know, I have relatives or friends that will come out here and say, well, let's let's do some Los Angeles stuff. And then uh, I, my wife and I do uh, Airbnb, so we'll actually have people come from, like, Europe. And mm-hmm. they have a very clear idea in their mind of the places they want to go. And it it is often astounding to me. There, there are people who said, we've got to see Beverly Hills. And I just think, I guess so. Oh, specifically yeah. Beverly Hills High School. There is this one couple from, I don't remember, Slovenia, I believe, um, who said, we've got to see Beverly Hills High School. Are they 90210 fans? Is that what it is? I, the, I <laughs> thought maybe it was that, but I think they were too young for that. And so, Well, there was a new 90210. Yeah, but nobody yeah. gave a shit about that. <laughs> and so I feel like maybe it was, I, I don't know, I can't figure it out. And uh, so, But when people come out, you know, my first thought was like, I can only really think of three places I would take them because my, and that's the thing, I don't go to bars and stuff. So, that, you know, my life is fairly boring. Mm. So for boring people, there's not a lot to do here. Like myself, I go to Disneyland. And so, um, <laughs> where I drink a lot, oddly enough. And so, 
So, in your opinion, and this will this will be for listeners. If okay. If people come to visit, they say, let's say they've got five days. Okay. And they want to do one big thing per day, one big Los Angeles thing per day. What would you What would you recommend? And, and let's say uh, money's no issue. Money's no issue. Wow. Well, if money's no issue, wow, that. <laughs> Let's well, see it's on the budget because if yeah. money's no issue, then okay, yeah, you know yeah. I'd have a rental limo and just take you know. <laughs> okay, fair um, enough. Yes, but uh, let's just see. When I my friend came out. I had to plan it, you know, like if you have anybody coming from out of town, you have to plan if you want to spend your time um, on the west side, downtown, Mm -hmm. in the middle of, you know, you have to take it in chunks. So, for example, if we went downtown, um, let's start with what we did. We went to uh, Beverly Hills because she wanted to go to Beverly Hills and see, and she saw a Bugatti, which I guess is a seven-figure car seven yeah. is it that yellow and black bugatti that parks outside of the Bijan store on rodeo i guess wow, I don't know. That was... <laughs> I, i'm not really because there are always people looking at that taking pictures of that. yeah it always yeah. parks in the same place yeah because it's the guy who owns the Bijan, Bijan ah, store okay so uh but it worked out great because you know the only time i go to beverly hills is those screening rooms down on um yeah on Wilshire. Well, there's Wilshire and rodeo so, yeah so there yeah. was a screening that i had to attend anyway and i'm like fine i'll drop you off you you know, do what you need to do on um, Rodeo Drive. and But from there, then we went up to the Hollywood Bowl. And so we, you know, the summer's great because there are so many things to do in the summer in Los Angeles. So we went to the Hollywood Bowl. Um, sh- we picked up some food. Um, we could stop at the farmer's market um, on 3rd and Fairfax on the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's like, you know, taking care of like the Hollywood. And we drove through the Sunset Strip so she could see, at least see the Sunset Strip. It was too crowded and crazy so i wasn't about to stop anywhere um then on the i like lacma the campus because you Mm -hmm. can walk through the um you can walk through the outside and you have the um they got that big rock well they have the big rock um i believe that's called levitated mass it does have a name yeah and and then big rock the big rock is great the big rock is awesome it's kind of i'm kind of a philistine when it comes to art stuff so i (laughs) just call it but then the lights the chris burden's um the, the light you know that that's a quintessential L.A., um, you know, installation. Everybody knows that who's from L.A. Like, oh, that's at LACMA. And then you walk around the back, and then you get to go see um, the tar pits. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty fascinating in itself if you haven't been there in a while. And then they have the food trucks that are usually parked across the street. So and that same afternoon, we went to LACMA, um, the tar pits, and then um, had a lunch out of a f- food truck, which, you know, aren't that big yet in Boston. So... I gave her the quintessential uh, L.A. experience there. And then on our last day, we drove through downtown. I drove her through um, the con- Disney Concert Hall, um, mm-hmm. drove her by there, and then we went to a Dodgers game. So oh, okay. um, we saw the Dodgers. And so and one of the days we were on the west side. So we spent the day walking from Santa Monica down to Venice and mm-hmm. spent just 10 miles just walking that day as she wanted to see Muscle Beach. And I hadn't been to Muscle Beach in forever. So I've um, lived here almost nine years. I've been exactly once. Yeah. And that's yeah. enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Venice, Venice is one that I, uh, nothing about that is me at all, except <laughs> there's one place that serves pretty good chicken strips. Um, but aside from that, <laughs> nothing about Venice screams me. 
so I only ever... working out at Muscle Beach once. <laughs> when, when, All right, I'm no. trying to. That's like David's job. I try not to let people oh, right. know how much I love Muscle Beach. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you were in the neon yellow. Tank <laughs> yeah, that's me. Right? The onesie. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I get I get there by via my rollerblades. Okay. Um, and so uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I know like. Portlandia, that show has that joke about the dream of the 90s is still alive oh, yeah, in yeah. Portland. Except the rollerblading part of the 90s, that's still alive in Venice. <laughs> still, yeah, did not go anywhere. It's 20 years later. But uh, but yeah, Venice is the place where uh, if we have friends in from out of town or relatives, mm-hmm. we'll take them there because that is such... That is, in many people's view, that is California. Like, that's the part... For good or ill, yeah. that is what people's... That is people's that, mi- uh, mental image of California. Of, for ill, the um, uh, bringing it back to hockey and the Kings. Uh, but this last season, they did uh, an outdoor hockey game between the Kings and the Ducks uh, at Dodger at Stadium. Dodger Stadium. Oh, yeah. that's neat. Um, and yeah, that is neat. Um, but but what they did with the with the rest of the area around, they tried to make it quintessentially Los Angeles. So they literally hired actors to do yoga in the outfield. Because apparently yoga, because apparently it's 20 years ago and yoga is still some weird thing that new agey Los Angeles people do as opposed to every place in the entire country. But that's the thing is they captured the essence of Los Angeles in a different way because you had a bunch of actors being like, I'll do it. Absolutely. I'll do it. (laughs) An outfield full of desperate actors. That is very, that is very much. Yeah. And they also recreated like a miniature Venice beach with rollerblades. Wasn't it really hot that day? I, I, I can't remember. Was it warm? Uh, were they worried about the ice? Um, there was some worry about the ice, um, I think, but it, it ended up being being fine. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I don't need to go into the hockey stuff because they do these outdoor games. Really? I thought doing this one. was a hockey podcast. No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't you? Um, uh, I was going to say something. What were we talking about? Oh, hockey. yeah, quintessential. We're talking about hockey. But before that, quintessential things. I um, I love. I know this is touristy, but I love Olvera Street in Chinatown. That's because you can park and spend a day walking and eating and then go into and look at uh union station and city hall yeah. and the bradbury building and uh places like that that you can walk around um that's what i do i also like to which is so not me like your venice beach thing being not you i like to hike to the hollywood sign because uh, i like the view and people that's you know iconic to people i did, yeah. that, I have once. I did that once family in town once yeah <laughs> i've done it twice um, no, there's, uh, I like being a tourist in my own town. So I just did a, a bike tour of downtown LA. It's a new club called the, I think it's called the LA Explorers Club. It's with cycle.org. Um, a lot of biking, you know, there are tons of people on this uh, first ride. And so we went from, um, I think fifth and main all the way to, we stopped at the Bradbury building, uh, where they filmed uh, Blade Runner. Then right. we went down to, um, Alvera Street and Chinatown, and then in the back uh, behind Union Station, we got to go um, visit some um, private rail cars. So oh, we right. got to go into the uh, private rail cars, and um, then we came. I've seen those parked back there. I didn't know you could. Uh, you could rent them out, and yeah. you can take them up to Santa Barbara or wherever, either for hire. Right. But uh, this one uh, club, they secured um, tours of, so they took us through the. It was pretty cool, and then. Um, then we went biking through like the arts district. We went to, um, the brewery, the, um, the arts complex, the brewery complex back there. Mm -hmm. And then 
back up through um, the arts district. And then that's when I had to leave because the tour, you know, it was like, you know, four hours and I had to get back and finish writing a story. And this was the only bad part about it is like um, it was getting to be at dusk and I knew exactly where my car was parked. And in order, the shortest way to get back to my car is I had to ride through Skid Row uh-huh. um, by myself at um, dusk, which probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but um, but it's. It's fine. Uh, I'm here. and But, you know, I love being a tourist in my own town. You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm, it, w- it was a fun ride. So I like exactly what you're, what you're saying about Olvera Street and Chinatown. And Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, now I want to segue here into something that has become a huge part of well, uh, This has inadvertently become the Los, An- Los Angeles mm-hmm. podcast. But uh, to bring it back to movies and stick to Los Angeles. I figure you're about to ask what I was thinking. So, Hopefully. Let's see. Um, something that has become a huge part of movie going in Los Angeles in the summer is outdoor screenings. Oh. Is that what you were going to talk about? Nope. <laughs> what, what were you going to say? I was going to ask if you've ever seen Los Angeles plays itself. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that movie? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I have not yet seen it's it. It's coming out on DVD. It it's is. Finally Cinema Guild, out. September yeah. 30th. Um, Very exciting. I hope, that mean, I hope that doesn't mean they'll stop showing it at the Arrow, because I always enjoyed yeah, uh, going there to see it. But um, anyway... Outdoor screenings. It's become so, like, you could literally, like, from June to September, you could go see a movie outdoors almost every single night, and right. most nights have more than one choice. Exactly. It's become a huge thing. And I went, this past weekend, uh, I went to uh, one of the companies that does it. It's called Eat, See, Here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put on a good thing. This is going to sound like I'm ragging on them because a lot of things went wrong this time, uh, such as it was at the Gene Autry uh, Museum, mm-hmm. um, and they... <laughs> forgot to shut off the automatic sprinkler system so in the middle of blazing saddles the sprinkler started going off um which it took them about 10 minutes to get them a lot of people just left then we got lucky because the guy next to us decided to be a martyr and jump on the grenade or the sprinkler as it were and spent 10 minutes holding his hand over the sprinkler while they figured out how to shut the thing off a lot of people left then it started raining um, wow. Uh, and so they ended up cutting the movie early, like literally like five minutes before the end mm-hmm. of the movie. But they were like, listen, this is, we have to protect our equipment. It's raining yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a disaster in that sense. But I want to get your guys' opinion because I have very strong opinions. But I also, after two plus years of therapy, I understand <laughs> I might not, the, the rules I make up in my head might not apply to everyone. But I am very much against bringing chairs to outdoor screenings oh this okay all right this is a this is a huge thing to me because i have i have an idea in my head of what the outdoor screening is about and i feel like people obviously elderly and disabled people you know that makes sense Mm -hmm. but i feel like people who bring the lawn chair to the outdoor screenings are in some way missing the point again that could just be in my head yeah okay i'll throw it to the guest first you go right ahead sorry well i have mixed feelings about outdoor screenings anyway because um I mean, I love, you know, uh, concerts in the outdoors. Sometimes movies, when I want to watch a movie, I want to watch a movie and I want it to be dark. I want it to be silent. I don't want to, you know, people picnicking around me. I mean, I'm sorry that yeah. that I might be of the minority opinion. Well, this, on this is one of my personal rules for outdoor screenings is never go to an outdoor screening of a movie I've never seen before. It has oh. to be, a, mo- oh. it has to be a movie I'm Absolutely. familiar with. Right. Uh, so I feel okay yeah. with that. But in terms of the chairs, I think that um, if you have a lower to the ground chair, I think maybe six inches or less off the ground, you know, those low yeah, yeah. lawn chairs, um, 
blankets are perfectly acceptable, but the, the, the high thing, chairs are not. It's, yeah, yeah. that uh, you're blocking it, people's views. This place was full of them, and it really drove me crazy. But to me, it's just the picnic thing is part of it to me. And again, that could just be my, I have my, I prescribed my own idea of what this is about, Mm -hmm. but bringing a basket, like stopping at Trader Joe's on the way and getting a bunch of stuff, or if they have food trucks, Mm -hmm. getting your food there, sneaking in a bottle of wine usually, or being allowed to bring in a bottle of wine, depending on the location, um, that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And so people who bring the chairs, it's like, well, if you're just here to sit in a chair and watch a movie, you might as well do what you're saying, stay at home or go to a theater and watch a movie. This Mm -hmm. is about something other than that. And I, right. uh, so I, I, I was solidifying over the past few days my viewpoint on outdoor screenings and particularly about chairs because I was really annoyed by how many people brought the big chairs. To so it's the yeah. big chairs you object to. In principle, I object to all chairs. Okay, but I understand, like you're saying, I understand the small chairs aren't that much of a, a, a of a hindrance. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jen and I, not that we go to a lot of outdoor screenings, but we do bring the small six-inch off-the-ground chairs, uh, partially because um, if I sit, you know, cross-legged... Uh, your legs fall asleep. My legs fall asleep. Yeah, you have to adjust your position. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and so it's usually it's usually that. And, uh, and this, to me, does not feel like a betrayal of the thing that you want this to be and don't get me wrong here's the thing i bring my own i bring my own crap to to outdoor screenings one thing is like why are you t- again it makes total sense only go see a movie you that you've seen before that's it is not nothing about it is ideal circumstances but I, the thing that gets me is like i want to whirl around and say why are you even here because it's loud enough that it's hindering your conversation but then your conversation is loud enough to hinder me or anybody else who might be even vaguely interested in the film. Yeah. Thus, it's no good for anyone there, now. There's a gray area there where, again, because it's this communal thing, a little bit of chatter I'm okay with. But if you're not paying attention to the movie and just having a conversation. Yeah, which yeah. is and – that's, and that's where the picnic thing comes in. I think some people focus more on the picnic than the movie. <laughs> and here's why – okay, because they did, they, they did it in Chicago a lot, the, the movies in the park. And um, from uh, 35, by the way, in Grant Park, 35 millimeter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, which they it, don't do here, but that was it was beautiful. That's an and impressive here part is of the it. thing: we haven't let the, our guests talk. In like 10 I'm minutes. sorry. <laughs> That's okay. The sound was so ear piercing, uh, piercingly loud. Uh-huh. Not only could you not hear it if anyone was talking, <laughs> but I think it shut people up because they're like, I can't. This thing, these guys mean business. <laughs> so even movies like The Apartment, which are not loud films by any stretch, right. are just like it, it gets to the point that I found myself being like, "This is, this hurts. This is so <laughs> loud it hurts." But I am at least happy. I don't. At least I'm hearing the thing I came to hear, and not uh-huh. some jackass over here who snuck, as you said, snuck a bottle of wine in or something like that. That's what I like. I'm I like, okay with the wine. I like movies hurting people. Right. I mean, you know, when you go to the Hollywood Bowl and you see a concert at the Hollywood Bowl, you get shushed if you are to, you know, there are people who are there seriously to mm-hmm. watch yeah. the show. And, you know, I was opening a bag of Doritos or something too loudly, <laughs> the, uh, you know, my last concert there a few weeks ago. And I was shushed because my bag was crinkly during the 
Gershwin piece or something that was mm-hmm. playing. So, oh, okay. So this wasn't a, a rock, right? This wasn't a rock and roll concert. No, it was not. <laughs> but it was, I think it was an L.A. Phil concert. But, um, but still, you know, even with the the rock concert, unless it's like really totally loud and, you know, do what whatever. But if people are there to actually hear, like, you know, th- this weekend at the Hollywood Bowls, uh, Glenn Hansard and um, Iron, Iron, Iron Wine. Wine. I will be there. I will be there as well. Ah, we should go together. (laughs) And picnic. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I'll bring the Doritos. Um, Yeah. If Iron and Wine is playing, I'd be worried about chewing too much. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And it had in the heart. So they're playing. But, you know, if you have people talking over that, you know, the same same way. Are you there to picnic? I mean, yes, we're all there to picnic. So it's the same way with the outdoor screenings. We're there to picnic, have fun. So you have to be in the right mindset to go into it but i think your rule is beautiful about <laughs> not going to see a movie at an outdoor screening for the first time yeah. i gotta put that in my okay. notebook yeah i to me and i'm sure to all three of us and probably the listeners as well that makes perfect sense i'd be fascinated to know uh, yeah, maybe i could maybe i can put a poll in the field of uh, people that go to outdoor screenings is this ever your first time seeing something? I know that, frankly, uh, those screenings in, in Chicago, because it was stuff like The Apartment and, um, oh, hell, On the Waterfront, movies that are fairly well-known amongst movie fans, but mm-hmm. your average person probably hasn't seen The Apartment. Uh, and so, in theory, everybody's there to see the film. Uh, why would you go see The Apartment unless you want to see The Apartment? Um, but uh, I don't know. I, th- I feel like I know that the people that we went with uh, I think we went with six people, and I think two of them had not seen the film before. But again, there are any distraction is d- firm, you know, uh, firmly drowned out in that in that <laughs> little venue. Like you couldn't hear the. Tr- it was right, it was in Grant Park. There, there's a you know, Lakeshore Drive is right there. Right, you, traffic noise is that's loud nice. until the movie starts. Um, I'll tell you this about Blazing Saddles. That's what I was seeing. I mm-hmm. don't know if I said that this past weekend. Um, there were a surprising number of parents bringing their kids and the kids had not seen the movie like (laughs) before the movie started it was a lot of like you're gonna love this movie it's so funny i loved it when i was a kid which is exactly how i saw it as a kid by the way my my My, dad showed me blazing saddles and young is one of his favorites uh but i wondered like i don't think a lot of these kids liked blazing saddles i don't know that that movie it could have been the fact they were getting rained on and sprinkled (laughs) but i don't know that that movie the sense cultural sensibilities have changed quite a bit plus they're outside and they want to play right Right. so and it's dog friendly uh, Eat, see, here screenings are dog friendly. That's right. The place was crawling with dogs, including mine, which I really impre- appreciate. It, by the way, most of yeah. these outdoor screenings I feel like are not dog friendly, but I know Eat, see, here and Street Food Cinema are dog friendly. And actually, Eat, see, here I do a column for LAS twice a week on weekly events and then weekend events. I know uh, this weekend um, Eat, see, here is celebrating the thirtieth, I think, anniversary of uh, Sixteen Candles, mm-hmm. and so they're touting that they have. Um, Long, uh, the actor who played Long Duck Dong and his yeah, sexy yeah. girlfriend, American girlfriend, um, uh, they're going to be introducing the screening. Hmm. Um, and I think that one is in Brentwood. So, you know, that one is one that I go to. I love 16 Candles, you know, part of my childhood, blah, blah, blah. And that I know the movie, so I don't really, you know, I'll be there to, you know, eat and, uh-huh. you know, whatever. But but then there's something else happening at um, this place called Villa Aurora, which I've never been to, but it's in um, Pacific Palisades. Um, and they're doing a series of uh, Charlie Chaplin um, si- uh, shorts, hmm. silent shorts with live um, organ accompaniment. Nice. And it's 
I believe it's outdoors. And so like that's something that that's great about L.A. is that they have, you know, wide ranging, you know, you have 16 candles and then you have these rare Charlie Chaplin films screening with a live organ. And I don't know how they're going to do that outside. So maybe it's only picnicking outside and you come in. But, you know, it's like um, those are the great things about L.A. is like every weekend that there's some or every day during the week, there's something like that happening, you know, and. Uh. Now, okay. I, I saw real quick while on the subject of outdoor silent films. I went to it was part mm. of LA Film Fest. I went to it was two Buster Keaton films they were showing, mm. and this wasn't a picnic type thing. They had chairs. It was mm-hmm. outdoor. It was at um, Grand Ca- uh, California. California Plaza. Yeah, at the top of the Angels mm-hmm. Flight there, um, and they had a French band playing. And the description made it seem like they're going to be accompanying the film. Really, they just like showed these two films while this French rock band played. I constantly played their songs. Oh. It didn't match at all. Yeah, it's like uh, that uh, that Nosferatu version that you, that I oh you yes, and I, I bought a, a from DVD, Walgreens. Yes, of uh, F. W. Murnau's uh, silent classic Nosferatu that says featuring music by Typo Negative. So you think, wow, Typo Negative? Yeah, they must whole, love like, Nosferatu. That's not surprising. I bet they would like it. Yeah. and they did music specifically for it. No, it's just a bunch of <laughs> songs off of Typo Negative, oh. like off the Bloody Kisses album or whatever. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> all right, sorry, you were saying something. So okay, here's what here's here's the thing that does bother me. That Chaplin thing sounds great to a point. Uh, the point is, and and even the sixteen candles thing of like let's celebrate this by screening it in the most distracting environment <laughs> possible. It seems like such a weird thing, like uh, to ostensibly be celebrating something by just adding. You know, and I don't know the situation, but food trucks and people and dogs and people talking—that yeah. hardly seems like a celebration to me. But that's that's my own. Well, yeah, it, it, uh, while I'm listing things, I'm sorry. I keep yeah, that's okay. You. While I'm listing things that went wrong at the Blazing Saddle screening, halfway through, all the food trucks packed up and left, and when all the engines started up, <laughs> all the dogs started barking at the food trucks. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, so, you're a little silent comedy there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that was so, amazing, and in the rain too. Yeah, yeah. No, but to go to your point, um, I know that the Echo Park uh, Film Center on Fridays in the summer they have their um, filmmobile mm-hmm. that uh, drives around downtown, and they do pop up screenings in random. Um, places and so they won't know where they're doing the screening or like they won't tell they'll release it on twitter like the day of or um on facebook say so we'll be at you know this address in echo park or downtown and we'll be screening this and they're usually pretty good films but um you know do you want to be wa- watching it you know yeah. in a random location so i mean that but that's what makes it great it's kind of kitschy it's kind of cool and um so you just got to way out you know do you want to go to the cinema you know like the arc light or something this weekend or do you want to sit on a with play with the dogs and the food trucks and, yeah you know and yeah and i mean going to see an outdoor screening is generally uh the ticket at least costs less than the arc light yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and uh you can bring your own food uh which i guess you can sneak f- food into the arc light yeah if um, you want to be a crazy person <laughs> I mean, it's like a long, a, a long coat with just something wrapped in foil. <laughs> when I was a kid, we would when we would go because I, uh, one of four kids, mm-hmm. it would have been expensive to buy us all candy and popcorn. So yeah. part of going to the movie was first going to the grocery store and going to the bulk candy section, and we just get to pick out our own movie snacks, and then I would just throw them in her purse. And that or does whatever. sound fun. With kids, um, it sounds fun. If you're yeah. a single person, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Although I remember, creepy. like. <laughs> 
when I very briefly worked at the Arclight, I remember a couple literally walking in with a pizza they'd bought down the street and trying to walk in. We were like, You're, that's not allowed. You can't do that. You really should have thought this out a little bit. People more. would also try to sneak their dogs in, in their purse. Can't bring your dogs to the Arclight. Oh, man. If, uh, the Arclight, Go to the outdoor screening. Yeah. Dogs allowed. Pizzas. Exactly. The Arclight's a great theater, but it draws a certain... Uh, entitled subset of the Los uh, Angeles uh, populace. Not at the screening I was at on uh, Saturday <laughs> night. The James Franco um, mm-hmm. Child of God Q&A. God bless them. These two women who were sitting next to me were just enthralled with James Franco. I mean, they were super fans or something. And they probably snuck in a fifth of um, something <laughs> uh-huh. to the screening because I, I kept smelling like alcohol throughout the, you know, throughout the screening. And these two women would, they were on their phones, text, you know, and that's not allowed at the Arclight, right? Yeah. So they were on their phones, they were texting, they were um, talking. Uh, one of them went to the restroom and the other one was like, kind of talking to herself passed out <laughs> and I was like are you serious and then um and then my husband put it together that um that's probably where the alcohol smell is that we're all smelling <laughs> right. back here and I'm like okay they're kids it makes sense so I, I couldn't be like that mad but I was just kind of annoyed because I'm like what are you doing it's so dis-, you know because the arc light you know you don't want to you know they have that you know distraction no texting no whatever yeah. but um having worked there they're not that strict they're not that strict with the, the certain things that the arclight says they don't do like that they have this low tolerance for texting or that you can't walk into a movie late it's not really enforced. no everybody did that during this movie uh yeah and i and that kind of bothered me because i would like when i worked there i would try to tell people sorry the movie started you can't come in that's our policy and then the, the manager would come over and be like you can let them in and I always got pissed off about that because that's yeah. supposed to be part of the thing but the now Arclight you look at, like an asshole at least original Arclight uh, I can't vouch for the other ones uh, but original Arclight is uh, the, the auditoriums themselves are really great there's not a bad seat in the house and the presentation is always top notch right. I will say that for the Arclight right. I'm working on a theory <laughs> in my mind right now uh-huh. it's not fully formed Okay. But you, Do you want a minute? We can talk about something else uh, while you figure it out. No, I got it. Okay. All right. So one thing that I'm sure all three of us really hate is uh, <laughs> this idea of people talking during a movie or checking their phone or <laughs> drinking and getting drunk. Uh, oh, I don't mind drinking yeah, as long as you don't. You know, well, getting drunk and passing out and talking to no one. Talking is, to yourself. She was half. She was asleep. <laughs> I looked over because I'm like, who is she talking to? And her head was down on her chest, and she was mumbling. And I'm like, who is? And she was talking to no one. She was just mumbly drunk. And um, I had to, you know, that was kind of funny. So <laughs> I couldn't be that mad. Could after you that. pick up on anything she was saying? <laughs> no, it was just. It wasn't just like I love you, Jim. <laughs> Uh, that's a okay here's the thing i do hate when people talk and when they're disruptive but you were you were provided a a fun story there um not unlike i went to a screening of uh like a critic screening of dawn of the planet of the apes and i actually wound up moving away from where i was seated because there was a guy uh right next to me who was continually amazed by things in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but he, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, he would exclaim it by going, ha! (laughs) That's what he would do. And it's one thing if it's like, oh, we're seeing something interesting, and so, huh, like, oh, that's interesting. I'm not thrilled with it, but okay. But it was starting to happen like every 
three minutes. Yeah. And then there came a moment. I don't know if you've seen Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. No, not yet. Okay. Uh, there's a quiet moment where mm-hmm. Carrie Russell is revealing something about her past. And it turns out that she and this other character have something in common. And so it's a no special effects. It's just character reveal. And it was very quiet. And, and like uh, characters, I think, starting to mist up a little bit. So, you know, it's a yeah. very quiet moment. Ha! <laughs> and literally, and in my mind, I thought... It'd be, it'd be funny if he did it now. And then he did it, and yeah. I, that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to – the place is totally full, so I went and just stood at the back, uh, stood at the back yeah. of the auditorium away from him. Yeah. And then a security guard came up and said, I'm sorry, you need to sit down. And I said, oh, uh, the guy I'm sitting near smells. And he goes, oh, okay. So he just <laughs> let me stand. And um, so that was a lie. Because um, I didn't want to get the guy in trouble, although maybe I should have. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm sorry. No, but can I piggyback uh, on that? Yes. I was at a, um, I can take that story and almost top that because I was at a, a critic screening, press screening, whatever, for um, 12 Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. Not a lighthearted film. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of heavy, a little, a lot. Yeah. So the two people behind me, they're, you know, chatting and fine. I can tolerate that a little bit. It wasn't that full. What I could not tolerate was when the guy, the gentleman, the dude fell asleep mm. and started snoring yep. at this um, really, you know, it's the part where, you know, they're, she's getting, Lupita Nyong'o's character is getting whipped. She's just in agony. And all I hear is Mr. Dude behind me. They finally <laughs> left like after, shortly after that because everybody was just getting so annoyed that yeah. he was just snoring during this really heavy film. But um, I don't know. It's snoring. It was that worse than a ha during a... <laughs> it's hard to say because both of them are involuntary. Yeah. Uh, but in both cases, I think it's, it's a situation where you just can tell someone, hey, st- stop it. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, th- there is. It does take the edge off a little bit of like, oh no, the whip. Oh, and there's a red mist. And yes. Just that's pretty. That's pretty rough. We had we had a, a school. We had a, a class in film school, and I don't remember. Was it the David Lean class? Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay, because there was the yeah. guy who just felt the need to proclaim what he was feeling in movies of like high melodrama, and so he would just be like, oh, this isn't good. So he would say that, <laughs> but then. Then when we actually said, hey, can you please be quiet? He's like, yeah, sure, absolutely. But apparently his talking is what kept him awake because then he just started snoring. <laughs> and uh, yeah. anyway, okay, to my theory. Oh, right. We didn't get to your theory yeah. yet. So uh, back when we had Danforth France on, however many years ago that was, uh, we talked about why going to movies sucks. Now, of course, <laughs> we were being facetious for the most right. part. Uh, but we were talking about the change in the theatrical experience. And... We were looking for reasons why. And the big one that I latched onto was technology. That The thing about technology is that – and, you know, I mean, we we both have – we have three podcasts between us. Um, and, you know, we, we all have phones and Twitter and Facebook and all this stuff. And so, I, you know, I'm no uh, – I'm, I'm not an innocent here. But uh, the thing about technology is that it's – Everything about it right now is saying what you think is very important, and people need to know it right now. It is not. Uh, it is not uh, encouraging restraint. So, if you're in a movie and you have a question, and you or you want to say something, I think people are being trained, especially younger people, be, are being trained to ask that question aloud or say something aloud to the person they're with. So, 
that was so that was a theory that I had, and I don't know if it's provable. Outdoor your your theory is generally kids today, or it, <laughs> it can be summed you know, up with the phrase "kids today." But it's it's people our age as well. Just anybody who inundates themselves with technology, which is not, I would say, it's pe- mostly people like under forty, I guess, which is you and me as well. And so um, barely, well, no. <laughs> by by quite a bit. Fair, yeah, exactly. We <laughs> we still have a ways to go, David. It's you know we're not old yet. So um, apologies, to people that are forty. I don't know how old you are. Um, but, uh, so anyway, uh, but then also the technology thing of like the home theater being the best it's ever been as far as sound and all that. And this idea of like, you can pause something, go and watch something. You can pause something and watch it in the other room. Everything is about you and your own experience and your own comfort. And I understand that and it's fun. But then of course, outdoor screenings, which the picnic aspect is just as much the point as the film itself to some people. And I think that is encouraged uh, because it's this fun atmosphere. But I think that might convey either consciously or unconsciously this idea that movies are a thing that are on while you're doing what you want. The movie is not what you want. And so while we say, well, let's, you know, let's all just go to the arc light and not worry or whatever. And not if we don't want distractions, but I feel like maybe the, out, the, the outdoor screening, along with any number of things, is encouraging people to view movies as a thing that doesn't really deserve respect. In or and your itself. attention. I mean, you think about it. How do we watch um, TV shows and movies at home? Like, you know, we get screeners. We watch them on our computer. Mm-hmm. And um, you need to pause it, walk away, make a sandwich, come back. Same thing when you're watching a TV show. You're doing, um, you're doing the second screen, and people are encouraging that now. Hmm. So to distract and not really pay attention to what's happening, you know, 100% what's happening on screen because you're they're being asked to do a live tweet. You're being asked to, yeah. you know, do all these things at the same time whereas sometimes when for some reason when you when I want to watch a movie, I just you know, cone of silence, you know, mm-hmm. I just want to just be So in you're that. watching Get Smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With my dog who's in a cone of silence. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, uh, being forced to, you know, and it's just a part of, um, modern culture. I think the second screen, the distractions, the pausing, you know, I'm going to watch the rest of this movie, you know, um, on my iPad when I'm at the gym. Uh, no, yeah. I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to disagree with your theory, Tyler. I'm actually gonna, Again, I came up with it about yeah, four minutes ago. I'm actually going to agree with it to a certain point because you, okay. you find few people who are more preoccupied with things like decorum and etiquette than I am. That is it's, true, yes. <laughs> it's something that's very, like, I get annoyed by people uh, when I see people out and about in flip-flops and sweatpants. That's, like... <laughs> or it, indoors with a hat. But you never you see like that, that in that. L.A. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might have moved to the, the wrong city yeah, for that day. Yeah, people, yeah, exactly. People wearing hats in restaurants. Uh, that uh, that drives me crazy because I, I rebel with all of, all of me against... Uh, the idea of treating public spaces like private spaces. I think mm-hmm. there is a difference and it is um, not only just based on some arcane rules. I think it is actually good for society and for uh, the sort of civil respect mm-hmm. to treat, to, to understand when you're in a public space that you are sharing that space with other people. That said, uh, to go back to TV again, mm-hmm. 
it used to be there were just a handful of channels and there were a few more now there are a few more now there are so many channels that whatever your thing is uh you can probably find mm-hmm. and i wonder if movie going experiences are also going to become that uh sort of striated in that way if if um if uh things like if people are going to come to understand the difference between an Arclight or an Alamo draft house or a cine family mm-hmm. or an AMC or an outdoor screening or whatever, every, every venue for movies is going to carry with it its own, uh, presupposition of rules and etiquette in a big city. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't think that's, and I, I think if that's what it's going to be, then I'm kind of, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with saying, like, all right, I want this kind of movie experience, so I'm going to go see it at this theater. Yeah, you know, I, that would be neat if that were the case, because then it's... I think it's becoming the case. I don't think it is yet, but I think it's becoming the case. Okay, so are you... And you're in favor of that? Yeah. Okay. I think I actually might be as well, provided, of course, there is a safe space so that if you want to see a movie with as few distra- literally as few distractions as possible... You can do that. The problem comes in with... Um, Enforcement? No, with what kind of movie it is. Because I, you know... Uh, I uh, fully admit that I don't go s- to a theater and see movies that much anymore. Because I get I go to a lot of screenings or I mm-hmm. get screeners and stuff. I see a lot of stuff mm-hmm. on my own or at uh, screening rooms. Um, and I still try to support um, movie making and pay when I can. But... I didn't get uh, a screening of Edge of Tomorrow. I really wanted to see Edge of Tomorrow. So, and I, we talked about it on the podcast. I paid and went to see Edge of Tomorrow. Because Edge of Tomorrow is the kind of release and the kind of movie it is, it's not going to be at an art house with these sort of rules. So I had to go see it at the Grove. And um, people were behaved, but it was still, uh, it was still, as someone who mostly goes to see movies either at screening rooms or at art houses, uh, it was kind of a shock to my system. It's not something I'm used to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not used so, to the rabble, David. <laughs> and so, if we can get to an idea where there is like a, um, I want to say Sunset Five. What's it called now? The Sundance Sunset. I think yeah, it's called Sundance yeah. Cinemas. Yeah, if there's a Sundance Cinemas that is showing Guardians of the Galaxy and I don't know uh, what else, uh, Get On Up and whatever the big releases are, um, that's the next step. And I don't know. I'm not sure how economically viable that is, um, but that is where the problem, the trouble comes into paradise when you want to see a, you know, a big ticket blockbuster movie and you want to see it in the, in the environment you've come to expect from an art house. Yeah. That's when you wait for the uh, DVD release. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And that's, and it's unfortunate because that's, that's kind of, that's at this point, the only way I can guarantee that I will see it as the exact way I want to, mm-hmm. except of course, not on a huge screen, which is what, I, which is how I like to see a movie. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of give and take. I mean, that's why, um, the, you know, screening rooms around town. Um, I don't want to sound like a film snob, but, uh, I do like them because there's, they're not that crowded and, uh, well, generally they're not that crowded and, you know, people are of the same uh, mindset that you're there to watch the film, you're there to absorb the film, you're there to think about the film. And I like that. Um, and then when I'm home, it's, I get distracted, you know, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. So that's why if I'm away from, you know, the, you know, all the, you know, the fridge or something, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I, I do like that. But, uh, you know, I do like seeing 
films in the theater. Um, it just depends on the theater too, you know, like the New yeah. Beverly and the um, the Cine Family and um, what's one on Sunset? The Vista, you know, those oh, yeah. those are great. The Vista is the best place to see a. Oh, those the, the aisles are so... Movie. Yeah. Yeah. But only... I mean, they only have one screen, so yeah. you have to hope that they're showing the thing you want to see that way. Yeah. I've still never been to the Vista. So I'll great. The, they probably have twice as much leg... And I'm short, but they have, like, twice as much leg room as... Yeah, it's more, really like yeah. every other row is taken out. Yeah. And there's also a Mexican restaurant called the str- across the street called El Chavo, which I have been to maybe more than any other bar and restaurant. <laughs> not because the food's good, because it's not, but because it's so close to the Vista that I'm there, like, all the time. Um, <laughs> But uh, back to the screening room thing, I want to ask you this. Uh, I'm not sure if this has come up on the podcast before, but I've talked about this before. Um, you said they're not that crowded, but there are every once in a while uh, a movie will come out that's got some buzz, mm-hmm. and suddenly there's a lot more critics in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, I'm going to steal this. Neil, Neil Miller from Film School Rejects calls them the Christmas and Easter critics, yeah. which oh, is my favorite yeah, yeah. thing in the world. And I always, I always hate when I get to me like, oh, I guess this one must have been a big deal at Sundance or Cannes <laughs> or something because all the Christmas and Easter critics are here. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that, I don't have anything to say about that. I just wanted to bring that up. And, yeah, I do yeah. notice that once in a while, but um, you know, I tend to see films that um, that uh, are kind of flying a little bit under the radar too. So um, mm. between that and the blockbusters, like I, ne- you know, I usually don't. I'll wait till the blockbusters come out and I'll see them on my own time. But I like to go things under the radar, like. Um, you know, like the things that are going to be uh, actually can I talk about the uh, couple of film festivals that are coming up in Los Angeles, like the um, yeah. Sundance Next Fest is coming up. And I just saw a life. Well, I think after. by the time this goes up, it's. Ended. Yeah. So, well, it, that, I saw <laughs> it was great. It was great. <laughs> life After Bath, um, I saw last week mm. in a little screening room and it's yeah. one of the films that'll be at. Um, is that good? The movie? It is. Uh, I love Aubrey Plaza. Um about, it's about a ninety-something minute film, and you know, about halfway through, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, where is this film going? Like, is it supposed to be a love story? Is it supposed to be a comedy? Great cast. I mean, they have a lot of people just popping, you know, in and out. Um, and my theory with Life After Beth is that it's a movie where the title was devised first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said that's catchy. Yeah. What would that story be like? Right. So it's like a zombie apocalyptic love story. But, uh, you know, it was kind of, I, I, I don't know where it was going. So it was okay. Um, it wasn't terrible. But um, what's that other movie, the other zombie love story? Warm Bodies. Warm, warm Bodies. I, I enjoyed that I movie. enjoyed that one. I didn't yeah. see that. I'm yeah. not a big Jonathan Levine fan, the director. I really didn't like 50-50 with it, which I know a lot of people like. But I had some real issues with that. I didn't see Fifty Fifty, but I actually liked Warm Bodies much more than I thought I would. Right? Yeah. I mean, I thought that was a, 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 and I'm not the biggest zombie fan. And honestly, the reason I went to go see Life After Beth because I love Aubrey Plaza, and yeah. mm-hmm. you know, she was good. She did a great deal of um, physical. I don't know if it was comedy, but a lot of physicality to that role as a um, zombie. So, mm-hmm. did you like uh, Safety Not Guaranteed? As far as we're talking about. Aubrey Plaza movies. That's from two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago. I haven't ago. seen that one. It's really good. It's one, everyone told me it was really good. I watched it about half an hour in. I was like, this is stupid. What was everyone thinking? And by the end, I was like wiping tears. I was like, this movie is so good. <laughs> and you thought, this guy 
this director should be in charge of a giant dinosaur movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the guy who's <laughs> now making Jurassic Park 4. Jurassic World, I believe it's called. Well, I don't know if that's actually true. I'm not, I don't remember. I don't know. JP4. JP4, JP4 so I like yeah. better. Yeah. I like we'll that just better call it JP4. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, what else is coming? You said some other festivals coming up? Of uh, the um, Holly Shorts Film Festival. I have not been to that one yet, but I am uh, love uh, short films, so... The Holly Shorts, I think, is uh, the 16th in Los Angeles, but L.A. is a lot of, like, just monthly and quarterly screening series that happen all the time, too, so that, um, you know, people who love seeing different um, short films as well as features, like, I know that uh, New Filmmakers L.A. has a great, Mm -hmm. um, I think they're monthly, they do it at the AT&T Center uh, downtown, they have a lot of short films, and then they have one feature film, um, I think it's of the month, and then this other group called Mini Cinema, they do it at the, um, I think one of the Lemley Theaters in Santa Monica, and they have a, I think it's every other month or quarterly, where they bring um, like five or six short film and filmmakers together, and they screen a lot of short films. So the LA is just great when it comes to like all these film yeah. festivals as well as their regular um, screening group. So. I think that's um, that's another reason why I love LA because like yeah. no matter what day of the week, I mean, if there's nothing at the Arrow or Cine Family or you know the New Beverly that you want to see, you know, there's always you know either a festival coming in town or um, and they're like you know there's festivals like for um, the Serbian Film Festival, there's the Indian mm-hmm. Film Festival, yeah. there's the um, the Asian um, Asian American Film Festival, you know, just all these festivals. So it's great. And, yeah, One it's, of the great things about Los Angeles uh, is um, because there are so so much of the people who make movies here. There's a lot of times when they're screening old movies. There's talent, you know. Like mm-hmm. I saw the recently departed. Um, we didn't talk about Marilyn Burns, by the way. We said we were going to. Well, I, um, I was planning on uh, towards the end. Okay. Well, but the recently uh, uh, deceased Paul Mazursky. I saw him and Nick Nolte after a screening of Down and Out in Beverly Hills at the Arrow, which uh-huh. was delightful. And then I remember one time. I've told this story in the podcast before. I was at the the Egyptian for a. It was October. It was a horror movie triple feature, and uh, there were no guests uh, expected. But Joe Dante, the director, was there to see the movies, and he was like, "Hey, I know a lot about this stuff. Can I like introduce these movies?" <laughs> or they, and so Joe Dante ended up like hosting this uh, this screening because he just happened to be there. That's the kind of cool stuff that happens in Los Angeles. Right. I mean, I think that um, this weekend at the UCLA Film and Television Archive, they're starting an an Edith Head um, hmm. um, series. And they're screening um, Dead Man uh, Don't Wear Plaid, uh, oh, yes. Steve Martin. Yeah. And who is that directed by? Um, um, uh, is that? Is it Reiner? No. Carl Reiner? Is it Carl Reiner? Yeah. I think it is. And yeah. he is going to be there introducing it and um, introducing the film as well as, uh, I think, John Landis, I think, was a, another um, mm. guest panelist. So, you know, that's what's great. Like, these people just pop up and you're like, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to go because I want to hear the Q&A more than I want to see, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. the movie. Because I've seen the movie, but I want to hear what they say about the backstory, about how they did a certain scene, why they did, you know, why they did it that way. So um, costume designer Edith Head is going to get her, um, you know, she's got, a, I think, a little series um, going on at the at UCLA. So that's that was pretty cool. You know, and, uh, and it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned the various uh, film festivals and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and then, 
Sorry, I, I lost my train of thought. We had a bit of a break there. I'm sorry. Um, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Just in the middle of that sentence, you lost. Your train I just of thought. totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> Nothing happened to distract me. Um, but so you mentioned like the the film festivals, but then also the these uh, cues and days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, Los Angeles is. Uh, we, we've not unsurprisingly we, we've talked a lot about Los Angeles uh, tonight and so uh, it's one of my favorite t- subjects yeah and I'm sure there are listeners in New Zealand who are thinking great I can't do anything about this uh, Kiwi um, <laughs> they say stuff like that right just, I've, just I've, been, kiwi? I've yeah. been there they just say <laughs> stuff like Kiwi and uh, I can't think of anything else um, so they don't by the way that was just a <laughs> weird thing um, they say yeah, stuff like good day mate right. exactly right. oh boy yes right. They're like, oh, let's throw another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> That's how we talk here in New Zealand. New Zealanders aren't going to like <laughs> They're not going to like Australia. I know a couple of them. Um, so, okay. But that's the thing. Uh, Los Angeles, to, to bring things maybe full circle, because I, I'm, I feel like we should probably start wrapping up. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about how much they don't like Los Angeles, and it's understandable. It's not – there are others – there are cities I've lived that I like – where I've lived that I've liked more. I, I – as a city, I like Chicago more than Los Angeles. But is that, as a f- is that still true? Because I mean, I like Chicago immediately, but I feel uh, like I earned liking loving Los Angeles, and now I love it more. Here's the thing: you're in the long term with Los Angeles, and yeah. you know, short term exactly with Chicago. Exactly, that's I'm, exactly what it is. I'm never leaving Los Angeles, and I and I love the opportunities that it has given me. Uh, as a city, at, from a from personality standpoint, I do prefer Chicago, and I love it every time I go back. But I'm not I'm not leaving Los Angeles. This is where I'm going to stay, and I'm okay with that because uh, as a film lover, there's so much for me here. Right. It's it, it's just packed with treasures. I mean, you know this maybe better than anybody. I mean, you wanted to come here for years before you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, even but before then, I could drive. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Just, Oh, once I get my license, this magazine will be a reality. Um, but that's the thing is a lot of people, admittedly, it is, it's hard to break into the filmmaking industry. Uh, and some of the studio bureaucracy is, is pretty hard to, to navigate. But if you are a filmmaker, there's a lot of avenues in Los Angeles in which you can get your stuff seen. Uh, if you're willing to do the work and do the applications and if you're in fact good. Um, but that's the thing. It's the city can be very welcoming if you are, if you're willing to do a little bit of work, we've had people on the podcast that have, that stand to gain literally nothing yourself included. You stand to gain nothing from being on this podcast. Uh, but they're willing to, I hope you didn't have high hopes. Yeah, not at all. Uh, I don't know what kind of, Paycheck David promised you. But, um, oh, wait, did, I'm not getting paid? I'm sorry. I hope you enjoyed that beer because <laughs> that's all you get. The Miller High Life? That's the one. That's the, my paycheck. It's a champagne of beers. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's, but there are people that, have, that we've reached out to and they'll just do it because they like talking about movies. And these are people that like I idolized as a kid and now here they are talking to us. It's amazing. Like Los Angeles... In that way, Los Angeles has Chicago or almost anywhere else beat because the opportunities that have happened here, not like whether you want to make film, whether you want to talk about film or see film, Los Angeles is the place to be. So while I understand not liking it, I feel like I feel like people who live here and, and say they don't like it – 
I feel like you are you're taking it for granted, or maybe you've lived here long enough, so long that you forget just how amazing it is to be yeah. here. Yeah. As far as I will say, I will be, just to save us getting emails and comments, people who live in New York or Chicago, when you say the best place to see film, New York and Chicago are great places for repertory, absolutely cinema and stuff. Absolutely, as well. yes, yes. Um, okay. You, I will say though, from the from like a Q and A perspective, right? The right. access to yeah. the people who actually make the film behind behind the scenes as well as in front of the cameras, right? Um, there's always a Q and A that's that's going on, and um, you know, always and there are people that are willing to talk about their work, which I I yeah. do appreciate. You know, I you know I do appreciate. Um, uh, hearing what James Franco had to say about Child of God, you know, mm-hmm. whether I like the film or not is irrelevant. I want to know what he thought about, you know, the film. Yeah. The same way with when uh, Leonardo did another Q&A with, um, about the uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, mm-hmm. wanted to hear what it was like playing that guy, you know. Um, and you hear it right from, you know, the actor's mouth with a Q&A. And so, you know, they're great um, you know, great, great panel discussions and, and Q and A's all happening all around town. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's all that I meant when it came to seeing movies. Right. Cause I mean, you know, in Chicago, there are plenty of places that we could see movies and, and loved it. Yeah. So I remember back in school, I wanted to go to the Gene Siskel film center and see a screening of Metropolis and it was sold out. Yeah. That's awesome. And I remember being excited. It's like, well, I'm bummed out. I can't see it, but you know what? It's sold out <laughs> ever. That means and it was in a fairly large room. Um, that means that many people wanted to see this movie and were willing to pay to do so. That was very exciting. I saw Metropolis here in Los Angeles at the silent movie theater before mm-hmm. Cinefamily took it over with uh, live organ nice. accompaniment. Yeah. Now, before we, before we end, because I you feel like... You want to bring down the mood a little bit. I do. Uh, sort of. So I wanted to briefly talk about Marilyn Burns, who passed away at a fairly young age. I believe she was only 65. Uh, most people will know her from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She plays the protagonist. Um, and I have said uh, to anyone who is willing to listen, uh, and probably a billion times in this podcast, that uh, in the list of great movie endings of all time, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, for me, uh, high in the running for number one. Mm-hmm. It, that, that, that one just gets me. I don't know if you saw... Our Twitter page. I changed the Battleship Attention Twitter background. Nice. I didn't to, notice to that. that shot uh, as a tribute. Well, and there, and for two reasons. One is, of course, Leatherface dancing around in a very <laughs> surreal thing, but also her maniacal laughter of yeah. of some of it is relief of I've gotten away, but her life is over. Her life as she knew it is over. She's not going to go back to, going to go back to, you know, hanging out with friends again. <laughs> go back to class on Monday morning. You will not believe yeah. the weekend I had. Oh boy. I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't finish my paper. I had, um, but, uh, but the thing that I want to mention, because we, on the show, when certain actors or directors have passed away, we try to mention it. And they're usually higher profile, like a Bob Hoskins or a Harold Ramis or something like that, uh, to name a few uh, recently. Um, Marilyn Burns is known primarily for this one movie. I know that she's done other work, but this is, the, this is her legacy. And I want to mention that, like, that movie's not going away. People love Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well they should. I think it is maybe one of the top two horror movies of all time as far as just scare to me, scariness to me. But a good reason for that is because she has to sell pure, raw fear for about 30 straight minutes. That's, that's 
really hard to do. <laughs> I mean, she. I, I honestly believe that when you when you talk about the scream queens, you'll think about like Janet Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis. I think you should mention Marilyn Burns because she has to sell the terror, and there's no up and down to that. She has to find a peak and keep it because otherwise we won't know that. Well, we'll we'll know, but we won't get that sense of how scared we need to be constantly for about 30 straight minutes. It's a wonderful performance. And yes, it might be the only one that people are talking about for her. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because it's still... Uh, and she didn't do a whole lot else. She didn't do much else. And yeah. so f- that's the thing. So f- to have a fairly inexpen- uh, inexperienced actress deliver that kind of performance, it deserves to be remembered. And yes, she didn't make the impact on film that, say, Harold Ramis did or Philip Seymour Hoffman or some of these other people, but she still made a huge impact. Not unlike when people talk about Charles Lawton's direction of Night of the Hunter, well, he only directed one movie, but we still remember him as a direct. We remember him as an actor, but because of this thing he did, we remember him as a pretty great and amazing director. And for that reason, I feel like Marilyn Burns deserves to be remembered as a great, as a really great actress who helped helped sell a film that will never be forgotten. I think that's so. Well I wanted to mention. that. Do you have any thoughts on Marilyn Burns? I'm sorry. Or? No, I think <laughs> I think you said it well, and you know. I'm not of the. Um, I, I'm not familiar with her work. What else has she been in besides yeah, some other know? horror stuff? And she was in a like the, and then she was in like the Texas Chainsaw remake. She had a small mm-hmm. role, yeah. and she was she's been in a couple of the other Texas Chainsaw movies. It's just yeah, she's got like ten other horror credits, and yeah. that's it. So yeah. she never really elevated, got out of that genre. And mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people would find that very you know limiting, and and that's a that is too bad. But, yeah, anyway, I'm sorry uh, you were saying. No, I was just saying that, um, you know, you're right. She never really, um, you know, you know, you remember, like, Jamie Lee, uh, was it not Jamie Lee Curtis? Um, what's uh, in the shower scene in Psycho? Oh, Janet Lee. Janet. Yeah. Um, you know, you remember that scream, but, you know, you remember uh, Sissy Spacek in, um, in uh, Carrie, Carrie. Mm-hmm. you know, and you remember uh, Marilyn in the... Texas Chainsaw Man. I mean, it's it's kind of like, um, you know, the Scream Queens. I mean, yeah. you 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 they make an indelible mark, an indelible mark. And even though she didn't have anything beyond that, uh, yeah, she will be. I mean, that's everything that everybody remembers. Because I saw Marilyn Burns. I'm like, who is this again? And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. You know, when when uh, she passed away earlier this week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's I don't know why I felt like really calling attention to her because people might say that and I understand what they're saying when they say that she didn't make a huge contribution to war, to film in general not like somebody who's made who's delivered like dozens of amazing performances but sometimes all it really takes is one and you're not going to forget it right okay so um we should probably wrap up. That was uh, nicely said. Uh, real quick, favorite movie of 2014 so far? Christine, do you have one? Oh. On the top of your head? Gosh, no. Tyler? Uh, a Most Wanted Man. A Most Wanted Man. I'm still going with David Wayne's They Came Together. Oh, I wanted to see that <laughs> one. I missed that one. Um, all right. Um, just just wondering. Um, okay, so you can find us at battleshippretention.com. That's where you find 
this podcast and all the other podcasts and uh, all of our movie reviews, you can email us, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension and see that picture of Marilyn Burns. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Anything special going on over there? Uh, we, inspired by the yellow signs at Comic-Con, we did an episode uh, about the film The Big Kahuna. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. About uh, h- how best to uh, interact with people who may not share the same beliefs as you. I like that movie. <laughs> uh, my other podcast is the TV discussion podcast called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. This week we're talking about season four of The Killing, which premiered on Netflix. Oh, that was so yeah, I love that show. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, that was my other guy, my, my other co-host pick. And then we'll also be talking about the premiere of The Nick on C- Cinemax, the hmm. Clive Owen starring series produced by Steven Soderbergh. Um, I forgot that Cinemax existed until recently. I did too. I did too, but I want to see The, the Nick. Yeah. Um, so that's where you can find our stuff. Uh, Christine, where can people find you and your work on the internet uh, and elsewhere? People can find me on, at LAS.com. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Christine Ziemba. And um, they can also follow some of my work on uh, at Paste Magazine. I do a little bit of uh, TV and film writing there too. Okay. Well, right. thank you so much. This was fun. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks I hope for we having didn't me. Talk over you too much. No, like just it was now. fun. No, <laughs> like just now when you started saying it was fun, and I talked over you, it feels like that's a microcosm of what happened. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I guess next time. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 